gears, like the gears of this clock, working together where the teeth are connected, interdependent, needing one another. You might call this the, the triune set of gears. There are three of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all working together so that we might do something great for God in the days ahead. Open up your Bibles. If you got your phone or your iPad or whatever the case may be, go to our app. You can go to the app store. You can search either my name or the church's name and the app will pop up. Notes are there for you already for you to fill in. I wanna talk to you today about becoming a member of this church. And for those of you who are already a member of this church, as I said last week, thank you, thank you, thank you. We could not be where we are 16 years in without the faithful membership of this church. Can we just honor the members at all of our locations? Come on, just celebrate them. They're all over this place. And I shared last week how I often get asked, how did a church do this in 16 years? How? I mean, and I don't need to list all the things that, that, that God has done in 16 years, but how, how has a church done that? First, all praise, glory, and honor belongs to Almighty God. Can I get an amen? amen? God has done the work. But make no mistake about it, God has always chosen to use people to do his work. Doesn't have to, but he's always done it that way. And so every time I get asked, this is my standard answer. And I said this last week, we've done that because God has moved mightily through the membership of New Hope. God has moved what? Mightily through the membership of New Hope. And if we're going to go after a big, bold, bright future for God, it will be because God chooses by his grace to move mightily through the membership of New Hope Church. And the way in which the membership engages the vision is through the four C's of membership. Through the what? Four C's of membership. If you were here three weeks ago, we had the first C presented to us by Mike Bro, my good buddy. Peach, preached a phenomenal message on celebrating in weekly worship. So New Hope members, the first C is they do what church? They in weekly worship. So think about it. You are fulfilling the membership covenant just by being here today. When you get up and you say, God, I'm not going to go play golf today. I'm not going to, I might play golf, but I'll play golf after church. Amen. God, I'm not going to sleep in. God, I'm not going to go to the beach. I might go afterwards. And God, if I'm away, I'm going to worship God regardless, faithful believers in Christ celebrate God when weekly in worship. So way to go. You crawled out of bed and got to the house of God today. Give yourself a hand. Way to go. Way to go. Way to go. You didn't have to. You didn't have to, but you did. The second C that we talked about last week is New Hope members connect in serving teams and or life groups. Write it down. The second C is they connect in serving teams and or life groups. So last week, we had close to 400 people get involved in serving teams and life groups last week alone. Yeah, that, that's something to celebrate. And if you didn't or you weren't here and you still want to be a part of the movement or you, you just didn't make a decision last week, hey, at all of our campuses, you can go to the lobbies on the rotundas today and you can get involved in a serving team or a life group. We would spread wide our arms and in the name of Christ, welcome you. The third C, New Hope members contribute to the biblical tithe. They contribute the biblical what? Now, I've been doing this long enough to know that some of you right now are thinking, dang, I should have stayed home today. <laughs> I know you. 
And if that's what you're thinking, know that you're surrounded by many other people that go, no, 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 you don't wanna think that way. You're surrounded by many people who believe, come on, I, I like country music. Anybody else like country music up in the house? Anybody, anybody don't like country music? You're, you're, you're not welcome in the membership of this church. No, just kidding, just kidding. Um, but in the words of Kenny Chesney, uh-oh, uh-oh. This is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. If you're here and you thought that even for a moment, dang, I wish I'd have stayed home. Let me tell you, let me just speak to that for just a moment. You are missing some of the greatest nuggets, content, life-changing, trajectory-setting stuff of Christianity. You are missing it if you believe that even for a moment. This is the good stuff. It really is. And I got to tell you that, that there have been many years along the way when I would get up and the Lord would lead me to talk about money. And I would get up and I would apologize on the front end. Yeah, did you just hear that? Mm. And I want to let you know that I have repented of that. I have repented why would I apologize about talking about something that Jesus and the entire Bible talks about? Have you ever heard me get up and preach a message on stealing and say, hey, I want to I apologize for talking to you about stealing? <laughs> or have you ever heard me get up and preach a salvation message and say, hey, I want to I apologize. I'm about to talk to you about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. No. So, so I, I've repented and I'll repent publicly. Lord, I'm sorry, I'll never again, ever <laughs> apologize for talking about money. Again, this is the good stuff. To get us into it today, um, uh, not long ago, we, we had a snow. It was, it was a big snow. And one of my boys got up that morning, and my kids are like yours. Man, don't think my kids are like super angels or anything like that. They, 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 listen, our home is just like yours. It is chaotic. It is crazy. And, uh, but, it's, but it's good, right? Because that's the stuff of life. It's both beautiful and it's both brutal. And, uh, but this day, you know how you have those days every now and then where a kid just does something and you're like, oh. Well, this day, one of my boys got up and without me asking, that's the key thing, without me asking, he went to the shed, he got a shovel, and he shoveled the entire driveway. <laughs> that is awesome. I was like, that's awesome. First of all, I thought, man, what, what you been smoking? Oh, never mind. No, 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 I didn't. No, I didn't. Um, and I was like, man, this is incredible. Now, now listen to me. We, we give our kids an allowance. We don't give them a big allowance. We don't, I, I believe you need to teach a child the value of a dollar bill. And so we, our children work. Hello. Your children should work. They should carry their weight around the house. Right? Right? And so they, they, we, they get an allowance, but it's not much. It usually corresponds with their age. Like, really, that's not much when you think about it. I mean, some of you are like, you are cheap. Well, whatever. But like our 12-year-old, right now he gets $12 a month on his good months. <laughs> our 14-year-old gets $14 a month. Anyway, so, um, um, so after he did that, I was so blown away. Now, the next time the allowance time came around, which was the beginning of the month, I gave him extra money. I, I rewarded him significantly. Now, do you think that was a good, it's an honest question, do you think that was a good fatherly thing to do? Yeah. Get that gum right, it was. <laughs> Number one, it shows the other kids you need to get off your butt and do a little something. Because one of them was like, dang, I wish it'd snow again. Sorry, buddy, we're in the South. It doesn't happen much. <laughs> right, right, right. But, but, but like I, I blessed, I, re, I rewarded him. And you all at all the campuses, you just agreed that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I want to get into this message today by pointing out something very, very important that many of you have not heard and many of you don't believe it. It's in your notes. Write it in if it's not. God is a rewarder. Did you hear me? God is a 
rewarder. This is a truth about God that many Christians tend to miss. And I just want to say out front today, God, like, like guys, I rewarded my boy and I loved every bit of it. Like I didn't do it begrudgingly. I was so excited to reward him and God gets excited about rewarding his children. He, he delights in rewarding you when you are faithful in all areas of your life, not just financially, but God loves to do that. And some of us get a little uncomfortable, and I'm certain it's related to the, the Protestant Reformation and that we were big when we separated from the Roman Catholic Church in the, in the 16th, 15th, 16th century. We were big into solo fide, which means saved by faith alone, saved through grace by faith alone. And so we have this tendency to say, no, 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 I don't want to talk about God rewarding me because God doesn't reward because I'm saved by faith and faith alone. So we don't think about actions and we just think about we don't get anywhere near works righteousness. And I understand all of that. But when you do that, you cut out half of the scriptures, God is a rewarder. You say, give me some verses. Philippians 4, open up your Bibles. Philippians 4, 17 through 20. Look at what the Bible says. Now that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Now listen, that's, that's financial banking terms. It's very fascinating how Paul puts that. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to who? Pleasing to God. Let's continue. And my God, why don't we read this next part together? That's a great verse to put to memory. Ready? Go. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory for and a stinking men. God is a rewarder. God wants to credit your account. Now, I'm not going to go get all legalistic and say, you know, I'm talking, he's talking about he's going to put credit in your bank account. Because some of you are like, God hadn't done that. God, God hasn't, I'm, I, God, any day, God credit my account. But I would ask you this, are you living your life with your money being lived to the glory of his riches, to his glory. And then God credits our account. And sometimes it's financially, sometimes it's the blessing of great children, sometimes it's the blessing of a great marriage, sometimes it's the blessing of a great career, sometimes it's the blessing of contentment, knowing that I have used my resources to participate in the church, the hope of the world. But he will credit your life and your account. You, you, let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians 3.8. Go over to 1 Corinthians 3.8. Oh, great verse. You, you read the last one so well. Let's read this one out loud. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8. Ready, go. Now, he who plants and he who waters are, and each one will receive his own, his own what? According to his own labor. It's the difference between belief and behavior. It's the difference between belief and behavior. In Bruce Wilkinson's wonderful little book titled, A Life God Rewards, I highly recommend it. It's an easy read. A Life God Rewards. He talks about this concept. In fact, Bruce Wilkinson was the same dude who wrote the book, A Prayer of Jabez, that some of you have read. In this book, as he starts to, to lay out the difference between belief and behavior, he helps us understand this tricky subject because some of you still might be a little skeptical of what I am saying. And let me state for the record, I am not talking about prosperity gospel. 
I am not talking about, I'm going to give so that I get. I'm going to give so that some TV evangelist can send me a sweat rag, ha, and pray over it, ha, so that I can get to my mailbox the next day, ha, and get my money. That is a cyclical cycle of idolatry because money has become my idol. And so I'm going to give money to get what? No, no, no. We give money to bless God and God's purposes in the world. But that doesn't negate the fact that God is a rewarder. In this book, A Life That God Rewards, what Wilkinson helps us understand, and I'll summarize it in two sentences, our belief determines where we will spend eternity. Amen? Our belief. I'm not saved by works righteousness. I'm not saved by anything I do. I'm saved by what he has done, right? Our belief determines where we will spend eternity. Check this out, though. Our behavior determines how we will spend eternity, which begins here and now. See the difference? Abundant life is not some pie-in-the-sky thing that happens when you die. Abundant life, the Bible says, begins right here and now for the believer whose eternity is secure in the loving arms of Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you today. And what's really great about the day is I got this special treat. You're you're going to get to hear from an amazing woman of God today because I love whenever you can hear from somebody else about this all-important subject. But before I set her up, I want to just, I want to lay out to you that that I think there are two words that can kind of help you identify where you are on the continuum. Because I find that most people, when you're talking about money, there's a continuum of where they might live in relationship with their money. One far extreme is greed. Everybody say greed. Greed. I live in a relationship with my money and I do so with it in terms of my own greed. The other side of the continuum is I understand money and I live in a relationship with my money in terms of seed. In terms of what? The first one is what? Greed. The second one is what? Let me just talk to you about those two ever so quickly. The greed level is when a person lives where their entire life is summed up by the acquisition of their possessions and their bank account. They live in a greedy kind of way. In January, a few years ago, CNN carried a story about a 62-year-old man who was rushed to Goulet General Hospital in France, suffering from stomach pain. Now, this guy... He already had some special needs, mentally, if you will. And he had this proclivity for swallowing coins. On this particular day, they rushed him to the hospital because the pain was so bad. The doctors and the nurses did an x-ray on this dude. And he had swallowed, true story, you can check it out, CNN. He had swallowed 350 coins. They did an emergency surgery. They removed the mass, but unfortunately, a few weeks later, he died. Now, I'm going to take a guess here. I don't think any of you are probably intentionally swallowing coins. Agreed? If you are, come see a campus pastor, and we would like to get you help. Though none of you are gorging yourself and swallowing coins, the truth is the overwhelming majority of Americans live gorging themselves on pleasures and money and possessions 
and they are caught up on the far side of the continuum in the area of greed. And did you know that Jesus had some stern warnings to us about greed? I want to just share a few verses with you on greed. Luke 12, 15. You've been reading scripture so well at all of the campuses. Let's just continue. Luke 12, 15. Go. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. That is good. Verse 20 of chapter 12, out loud, go. But God said to him, you, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Verse 21, we're just making our way down through this parable. I encourage you to go read the entire parable later. Jesus wraps it up with this. Go. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Greed. Jesus calls this person in the parable a fool. And because greed is eating your lunch, this very day, this very night, your life will be demanded of you. Like if I was writing a book titled The Hard Sayings of Jesus, <laughs> I think this chapter would make it in there. These are, these are hard words, but they're liberating words. If you can move from greed, living in a relationship with your money in terms of greed and shift and obey the words of scripture and live in a relationship with your money in terms of seed. This is what New Hope members have figured out. And this is why New Hope members are some of the most joyful, generous people in the world because they're living their life on mission and purpose and they're seeing God use their life and their resources to reach people for Jesus, teach the Bible and release vision carriers and other churches all over the globe and they have great delight in that. Let me just say to you before I move on to see, listen to me, greed is a miserable way to live. It's, it's a miserable way to live. So shift with me from greed to seed. To which you might say, what, what, do, what, do you, what do you mean? In our remaining time this morning, again, before I have a very special guest with us, I would just like to unpack the biblical reality that the most faithful understanding of money the most faithful way in which you can live in a right relationship with your money is to understand it from the perspective of seed. Imagine a farmer or a gardener who plants seed. 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Ready? Go. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously this really is the highest level of christian stewardship is this notion that my money is a seed for me yes to live on for me yes to bless my kids with an allowance for me to do everything that i need to do but it's also a means by which i scatter my seed, my money, wherever I go and in and through the church, God takes my seed like begets like multiplication. I plant seed and God brings forth a fruitful harvest. Come on now to God. That's people who get it right there. See, they, 
they understand what I'm saying. So before I, again, I'm just, I can't, I'm so excited you're going to hear from this woman. I want to just ask you a few questions. How do you view money God has entrusted to you? Do you view it and live in relationship with it from a greed perspective? Or do you live in relationship with it from a seed perspective? How do you live or view money God has entrusted you? Second question, just again, just marinate in these questions for just a moment. Is money there to satisfy your greed? Can your life be characterized as an insatiable appetite and hunger for greed? Or do you take greater delight in using money as a seed? Thirdly, do you, can you understand this highest level of biblical stewardship and understand money as seed? That's what I'm inviting you to today. Unapologetically, in a non-manipulative kind of way, I don't roll like that. I'm inviting you to the good stuff. I'm inviting you to a lifestyle that very few people ever really understand. Jesus says, wide is the way to destruction, but narrow is the way of salvation. It's, it's, it, lots of people go the other way. And there is a woman who is uh, one of the coaches at the University of North Carolina. Her name is Sylvia Crawley. She is a dear friend of mine. My daughter is uh, the head manager of the women's basketball team at the University of North Carolina. Not the baller. She's the manager. Kellys are never tall enough to be ballers in college basketball. It's just not going to happen. Um, anyway, um, don't tell Caleb that because he's taller than any of us. Caleb might do it. But she's the manager. And Coach Crawley is a New Hope member, faithful woman of God. Her mother leads a life group in this church. I'm telling you, this woman, if I've ever met a person who understands what I'm teaching you today... It is Coach Crawley. So sit back, relax, and hear from someone else. Hear a powerful story about a woman who gets it, who understands this higher level of biblical stewardship. Check it out. How you doing, Coach? I'm good. Yeah? It's good to be with you today. New Hope, you are with me sitting in the presence of a great godly woman, a legend, won a national championship here in 1994. You have your jersey hanging from the rafters. I recently heard that you slam dunked a ball while you were blindfolded at an NBA event. Sylvia Crawley, this is history in the making. The first ever women's professional basketball dunk, and she's doing it blindfolded. Is that is all of that correct? That's all correct. Glory, glory be to God. Amen. For that. You're being humble, but that is just fantastic. But we're here today because I wanted the church to hear from you. Tell New Hope your journey with money and, and how that's unfolded in your life over the years. I was brought up to be a giver. Mm. Um, even before my parents were into the church, they would drop us off on Sunday, my siblings and I, there were three of us and they would give us our offering and they would give us their offering and their tithes. And so one day I built up enough nerve to say, 
why aren't you guys coming to church with us and put your own offering in? Wow. <laughs> and, awesome. and my mom said, well, you know, we're not going, but we understand the power of giving and we mm. understand that everything that we have, God bless us with it. And so we want to just give him what we owe him. We, we're not thieves. Wow. And that was a powerful answer to give a kid. And so um, that was always instilled in me from the beginning. How did that keep manifesting itself in your life? As I got older, um, my mom eventually joined the church. <laughs> and even though I was a professional athlete, and people think we make millions, we weren't millionaires, we were thousandaires. <laughs> <laughs> there were times where I would live check to check because I was trying to keep up this baller lifestyle. So I wanted the truck with the sound system. I was trying to look a certain part, but it was almost as if I had a hole in my pocket. I kind of got behind on my bills and my mortgage payment, and, um, and I had to go to my parents. If you fell on hard times, my parents were the last ones you wanted to go to because we knew my mom was gonna ask us that one dreaded question. Mm. Are you paying your tithes? She said, will a man rob God? Malachi 3 and 8, you know? And she would always explain to us how if you pay your tithes, it rebukes the devourer on your finances. Yes. And that's the next part of that verse. Most people don't look at that next part of Malachi 3, 8 mm -hmm. through 10. They just look at the part about robbing God, but that's good stuff. Yeah. And then they, you know, they loaned me the money that I needed and she would say, no, you have to do a budget. You need to do a budget and you need to get back on track with your tithes. And so that means any back tithes that you didn't pay, you need to catch up on that. That really um, was the foundation for me in terms of giving. A lot of people have a tendency of saying, I will tithe when I'm blessed or when I'm able. God is looking for vessels that he knows already mm -hmm. that if I give them more resources, they are going to be faithful with it. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what happened recently. Your head coach kind of surprised all of you uh, recently. Tell us about that. I started working on what God has already given me. My goal is to give a scholarship to the University of North Carolina awesome. and invest in someone like someone took a chance in me. Yeah. Coach Hatchell called her entire staff in the office. Never forget this day as long as I live. She said, well, you know, we've reached a thousand wins and I just want to thank all of you. She said, so I wanted to do something special for you guys. And she said, I talked to Nike, told them I want to do something special. And they sent me these backpacks. So she passes out these backpacks. And I was like, oh, this is a cool backpack, you know? Inside the backpack was a thousand ones wrapped up in plastic. Immediately, I thought, this is 1,000 seeds of philanthropy money. I got super excited about it. And no sooner than I thought that, she said, now, and I can imitate Coach Hatchell. <laughs> She said, now don't go using all this money for yourself. I want you to take some of this money and bless other people. Now you know she's gonna see this because she watches New Hope she, on television. She knows I can imitate her. <laughs> and she has been watching you every Sunday. She'll say it in the locker room. Like, yeah. I watched Pastor Benji and he said, and I'm like, yes. She said for us to bless other people. That was confirmation for me that this Absolutely. was the start of my journey in terms of philanthropy. That's awesome. So as we uh, start to wrap up here today, what would you say to the new hoper out there about this whole subject? Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that everything that I have, that you have, that anybody has comes from God. What makes it easier for me to pay my tithes and my offerings is that all of it is his and all he asks is for 10%, you know? And when you give that, you can't beat him giving. Like he's gonna provide for you. He's gonna give you everything you need. So when, when you say it's offering time at New Hope, I get excited. I'm one of the people that's clapping and you know cheering. I love it. And I love the app that you have yeah. because as soon as I get paid, I could pay my tithes. Yeah. And I know it's good soil. I know when I see the baptism and I see how many people are going down, mm. you know, in the water, I know like this is good soil. God's word is going forth, you know. Everything I have comes from him. Yeah. And so I'm just merely giving him some of his money back. He That's just right. wants some of it. That's right. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spending time with us today. Uh, love having you a part of the church. Just really appreciate you being with us today. Thank you.
And so what's really cool about the way today shaped out on our calendar is that we were able to speak about this fundamental concept in Scripture about honoring God with the tithe while at the same time inviting you to the table of the Lord. Because I've always said, and don't miss this, this might be the most important thing you hear the entire day, all faithful Christian stewardship, this whole concept about what the Bible says about money can really only rightly be understood against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross. Amen? Amen? We give because he gave. Our God is a giver. For God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he what? He gave. He gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. His son, Jesus' body was broken, bruised, beaten, splattered, and nailed to a cross for you. We love because he first loved us. We give because he first gave. And only can I rightly understand how, how minimal it is for me to honor God with 10% when he gave his all through his one and only son, Jesus, who shed his blood that we might be forgiven. So some of you are sitting here going, this is kind of new to me. I'm realizing more and more as we reach more and more people that some folks, some folks just don't understand. They've never been taught this concept in Scripture. Before I read one more passage of Scripture for you, and then we move towards the table, let me just explain how a person honors God with their resources in the church. We basically have five ways that you might consider tithing to this storehouse, this church, using the language of Malachi. Five different ways. You're going to see these pop up on the screen. You can, you can send in your tithes by mail. We get lots of those in the mail. Some people just automatically draft it out and it comes here in the mail, kind of snail mail. Text to give, which I will talk to you about in just a moment. Text to give is the best way they're telling me to communicate to you. If you want to get involved in giving and honoring God with your tithes, text to give. We're going to give you a number to do that in just a moment. But we still have in person. We still receive an offering here on Sunday mornings at New Hope Church. Online giving. You can go home today. Newhopechurch.org. And you can go to the I Give part of the website, and there you can figure out your tithe, 10% of your income. You can tithe it to God's house. And the best thing you can do is click reoccurring gift. Because as Coach Crawley just said, when she misses her tithe, what does she do? She makes it up right away. Guess what? If you do reoccurring giving like my family does, you don't even have to worry about that. It's done every single month. And then there was one more where they took it off the screen. I missed, was, was that it? Kiosk, kiosk. There are kiosks in all the lobbies and rotundas at our church. Again, they wanted me to mention to you this whole concept of text to give. Look at this slide. This is a way in which you could get involved with it today or any day. Here's all of our campuses. You see them lined up. You have a keyword to the right-hand side. All you have to do is text your campus keyword. That's the word to the left or to the right. To that number, 77977, and it will walk you through the process from there going forward. Last thing I want to talk to you about, then we're going to read a passage of Scripture and we're going to be done. We're going to read a passage of Scripture from Malachi 3. And in Malachi 3, the Bible talks about the tithe. And you see it throughout the, the entire Bible. But in Malachi 3, the Bible says, test me. In this. And I want to let you know that we've been doing something here for a few years and it was one of the best things we ever did, not for the church, 
but for the person who wants to get this area right. We offer what we call the six-month tithing test. And what that means is if you'll take out that card that you received on your way in today, everybody grab that card at all of the campuses. You got it on your way in, hopefully. Hold it up, wave it around. Give me some air circulating in here. Oh, there you go. If you choose today to take God up on his word, not Benji's word, God's word, and yet you're shaking like a leaf on a tree and you don't know how you're gonna do it and you're just not quite sure, the Bible says, test me in this. God's word, test me, says the Lord. We wanna offer you a six-month tithing test. Which the way you do that is you just fill this card out. You print legibly so we can get in touch with you because we'll send you a document that we'll work through together. I'm not involved in that. That's the finance department. And then on the other side, you put your signature and your start date. But here's how it goes down, basically. You figure out what your tithe is. It varies for every single person in here. The beauty of God's economy, have you ever imagined this before? Is that a college student, of which I know we have a lot of them, who might be tithing on a scholarship that semester is giving an equal sacrifice as a CEO who might be tithing on a $5 million salary. Not equal giving, equal sacrifice. So you would go home, you would figure out what your tithe is, and then you would tithe. And we would work through this with you together. But if after six months, you didn't feel blessed if after six months you didn't experience God's favor and anointing in your life, if for whatever reason you didn't like it, it didn't work out as you had planned, this church will give you every red penny you gave to this church. We will return it to you, no questions asked. It's called the tithing test. And if you want to try it, try it. Last passage of scripture, and we're going to move to the table of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. Malachi chapter 3. You don't have to read this one out loud with me. Just, just let these words fall over you. Malachi chapter 3. I, the Lord, do not what, church? I do not what? The Bible says the Lord is the same what? Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. See you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you says what? The Lord God Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. That was the passage that coach was talking about. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Verse 9, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be, help me with that next part, there may be what? Food in my house. Test me in this. There's the tithing test. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You know what that last part means? Where it says that God will prevent pests from devouring your crops. You know what that means? Let me break that down for you. That means, and here's what I've discovered. That means you will be able to live 
a more blessed, anointed, favored life living off a 10% of your income with God's favor and blessing than you will ever be able to do with 100% while robbing God. He is just that good. I, um, I was coming home the other day and um, I, was, I was hungry. How many of you have ever been like, you're, you're trying to get home and you are you're so hungry, you're hangry. You know what I mean? You ever been so hungry, you're, you're angry? I call it hangry. And uh, you, ever, you ever got to the house and you were so hungry, there was no food in the house? That's not fun. And so I, I, was leaving, I was leaving the gym the other day. I know it doesn't look like it, but anyway, I, I, I was leaving the gym the other day and I, 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 was, I was fighting with Satan himself. I heard this little voice inside my, my head saying, stop by merits in Chapel Hill and get a BLT. If you've never had a BLT for merits in Chapel Hill, I'm telling you, it'll change your life. You need to go. And so I, I avoided the, the temptation and I turned and instead I went home hoping and praying there would be food in the house. And I've sometimes gone up in the house and we have five kids and sometimes they eat us out of house and home and sometimes there is no food. But thanks be to God, today, that day, there was food in the house. It reminds me that um, I, got, I got something you need to pray about. I, I got these little kids right now. And uh, they, we, we buy groceries. Maybe your kids do this. We buy groceries and I'll go into the pantry to eat some of the groceries and my youngins will say to me, no, dad, you can't eat that. That's ours. <laughs> you about something that'll make me go postal? <laughs> I mean, literally, like we buy the groceries and then they'll say this. They say it all the time right now. They'll say, no, dad, you can't eat that. That's ours. I'm taking that to school for lunch. Like, son, do you know I bought that food? Son, I will eat any. Look at look at this, son. Look at this. Here, I got an idea, son. Sit over there, put the shut to the up, and watch me eat this. I bought this food, boy. Uh, uh, uh. That, that's parenting 101. Take notes. They do, they say that to me all the time. But thankfully, they were in school that day. So I came home, man, and we had just gone to the grocery store and there was food up in this house. And I was praising God. Hey, come on, let me tell you something. I stopped by to tell you something today. Come on, go ahead, and I'm done after this. There's food in this house. There's food in this house. If you don't believe in what we're doing here, for God's sake, go to some church where there's food in the house and honor God with your finances. There is food up in this house. And I'm not being critical, but you've been to churches before where there's no food in the house. Again, I'm not being critical. I love all churches and I believe God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. But some churches have food in them and other churches don't have food in them. And what Coach Crawley was talking about is, I want to sow seed into this church because I see there's food up in the house. You say, what do you mean food in the house? If you were here on Vision Day, you know we handed you out this card. It's, a, it's kind of like an infographic praise report of what God has done in this church in the last year alone. I'm just talking about 12 months. Listen to this. 824 People accepted Jesus Christ in 2017. There's food in this house. I'm talking about 204 people rededicated their life to Christ in 2017. Come on, church. There's food in this house. We had 4,459 first-time guests. Why? Because they hear and they know there's food in this house. We wanted to, we wanted to give 10,000 pounds of food this past Super Bowl. Last year, we gave 7,000 pounds on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, we gather non-perishable soup cans of food to bless needy people in this area. We did 7,000 
last year. This year we had a goal of 10,000. You haven't heard this because I haven't shared this yet. You, me, together, we gave over 11,000 pounds of food to needy people. There's food in this house. We have an orphanage in Africa where God is blessing children. Why? Because there's food up in this house. So may God get all the glory, all the fame, all the honor that is due his name. We are so privileged. Thank you, God for allowing us to be a part of a movement that is experiencing your unleashed favor and kindness and blessing where we can declare to one another, there's food up in this house. Thank you, God, that I can give to this church because there's food up in the house. And it all started... When he said, I love you this much. And he sent his one and only son. We take this bread today that represents his body. And we take a cup that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And we receive. And how cool is this? I love the way the service is breaking down today. Don't head for the door because after we receive, we give. It's theologically accurate. We only give. We only honor God with our finances against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I want to sign off to the campuses and tell you that you are in good hands as your campus pastor will step forward now and he will lead you in your receiving of the body and the blood of Christ. We'll see you right back here next Sunday for Membership Sunday. Come on, Durham, would you sign off to him and let him know we love you guys.